Hey everybody and welcome to an insane wild ride with Steve-O. This one's insane in the membrane, folks. We've got the legend to be real, who's a good friend of mine from way back in the day, but I haven't seen him since I got sober. Man, it's crazy. He just lets loose talking about gang activity, being shot. Like, what doesn't he just totally open up about this episode is literally insane and what's not different about it from any other episode is that i am pounding coffee the whole time but what is different is the coffee that i'm drinking four sigmatic man this stuff is made with functional mushrooms lion's mane mushrooms if coffee made with mushrooms sounds weird to you trust me this stuff is delicious man except it doesn't give you that cracked out jittery feeling it helps you stay on point it boosts your immunity all of the mushrooms that they make it with are organic and fair trade and I'm telling you man I heard about this from my friends they use it they swear by it and now it is the only coffee that I will drink and you know I drink a whole lot of coffee so they've given a special offer only for the Wild Ride listeners, exclusive to the Wild Ride podcast. If you go to foursigmatic.com slash Stevo, you can get up to 40% off your order of any coffee bundle and free shipping. I'm telling you, this stuff is going to really help you out. So help out the podcast, help out yourself. Go to foursigmatic.com dot com slash stevo and try out this coffee which is the only coffee i will drink now because man i want to be on point i want to regenerate my brain i heard that that this stuff might actually regenerate my brain which i could use because i beat up my brain a lot but in any case Get on over to foursigmatic.com slash Devo. Enjoy up to 40% off of your order and free shipping. And now, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, be real. Yeah, what up? Dude. dude. So, yeah, man, good, to, good see to see you. good to see you, man. Uh, you met Scott and Paul? Yeah. What up? What's up, dude? So, dude, up? have I not seen you since I got sober? Yeah. It's been some years. Yeah, dude. Fuck, it's been man. Some years. I've, I've been sober 13 years. Congratulations on dude, that, man. Dude, thank you That's so much, awesome. man. Yeah, you were privy to what a pile I was. <laughs> <laughs> was the last time you guys saw each other at the Rainbow Room? Yeah. It, would be, it probably would have been. Yeah. Drinking yeah. at the bar? I, I think I dropped him off at the apartment you were staying at at the time. I, we got off, actually. I went with you into the apartment. Something was going on. And then you rammed your fucking head through the fucking through the drywall. <laughs> I was like, what? At the apartment? Yeah. Oh, what do you mean like the night? Like, the, the, was, were we with a guy named Stomper? I think so, yeah. <laughs> what? Dude, Be Real had the best friends, man. The, the guy, these guys are the Stomper and... Uh, Big Marv. Oh, Big, Big Marv's Marv. the best. How's he doing? Uh, he's good. He's slimmed down. He's, you cool. know, he's, he's uh, toned his party life down a little bit. Good. Because he's a little bit older, and you know, sure, what I'm saying? man, you we all are. You can't, you can't grind all the time right. every fucking day like these guys were. But yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Uh, you guys hung out quite a bit back in the day. Yeah, our, our spot was the Rainbow. Yeah, and so like, 
and this was before marijuana was like legal. Yeah. It was like kind of fucked up to just sit down at a restaurant and be rolling joints and smoking them mm -hmm. on the patio. Yeah, and, right, and and it was just cool there. Yeah, um, we made it like little Amsterdam. Yeah, you know, we were, you know, I was tight with the owner Mario, rest in peace, Mario Maglieri, a legend on Sunset Strip, and uh, his family owns the Rainbow, the whiskey, and various places. Um, and when I got there, I was introduced to him by this this guy named Big Worm, rest in peace, who just passed away. You've parted with Big Worm. I remember Big Worm. Yeah, he passed away recently. He got out of prison, and maybe six months later he passed away but i got to see him before uh, uh -huh. before he passed um but mario allowed us to be on the patio smoking weed he got a kick out of it he didn't he didn't smoke himself he didn't do any of the drugs he just maybe had a drink but he allowed everybody there to be themselves and and do what they do as long as they didn't act like assholes get in fights and shit like that which did happen but <laughs> You know, we kept it together when we were out there. It was more about just hanging yeah, and, and having a good time. Yeah, I remember um, one time you, you had a, like a big boombox CD player on the table and you, you played for me Psycho Realm. Yeah. And uh, that shit was so dope. I stole your, your CD, man. <laughs> That's all right. I, le I left with that mixtape that night. Oh, man. Wow. Like, I uh, had many more. Dude, it was dude, that shit was great, man. Shout out to Psycho Realm, man. Sick yeah. jacking. Yeah, that was your first time hearing it. I remember because you know we had I, I think we had put that album out in '97, uh -huh. and it had been around for a while. But we, I, so we were talking about it, and then I just brought it, and and you got a chance to hear it, and you took it, and that was good because <laughs> yeah. that's what it, that's what it's about. Yeah. Us as artists keeping CDs, it never happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we want someone to I take it. I think you might have left it, like, you I left it on the did. table, and then I was like, oh, that's mine. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I need to coke you know. off this later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or chuck it at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, man. I, dude, no, I cherish that thing, man, to, to this day. I, I, I love those guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, dude, there was a story that we heard about. Uh, that like, you I, saved his life. Yeah, that you saved saved my life this was uh maybe you at least saved me from getting my ass beat maybe because, could have been because <laughs> back in the day like way back in the day um like 2003 2004 um i, I had been disrespectful uh to the insane clown posse there was oh. something like they <laughs> They, I, I was trying to say they're not real clowns because I had gone to clown college, whatever. I was just out right, of my right. mind on drugs, just being a dickwad and uh, talking about, like, oh man, like, you can come on stage, but they weren't wearing their makeup. They don't want to appear without their makeup on. Right, right, right. I'm like, oh, these guys, they, they, they won't come on stage, whatever. I was just being a dick. And so they decided that the next time they saw me, they were going to fucking beat they my ass. Try to jack you up. They yeah. were going to they were going to give me a thumping. And uh, and and they showed up at the rainbow and they said, there he is. All right, man, there we go. And then they saw me sitting with you. And they were like, oh, fuck, we can't do that. Be real's our boy. Yeah, we go back and... Uh we've done many shows with them and many you know different sorts of conversations that have happened you know the history of of cypress hill and icp and so you know the, you know there's a mutual respect there so yeah. I, they saw you sitting there with me and they're like no no no, we're not going to do that yeah and, i did I, I love those guys now man yeah. i mean I, i'm i'm 
full on hatchet man tattoo. <laughs> hey man, when <laughs> when we're young and on one man, it just doesn't matter. Like we don't think about shit. We're just right. going and doing, and we don't give a fuck who we offend or right. if somebody gets defensive or whatever. You know what I mean? It's we're just going, and I then we realize later, oh shit, maybe we're. Right, dickish, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I think that, like, whenever, like, whenever you pop off in some kind of, uh, you know, celebrity way, I think there's growing pains involved. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you can't, you can't go from like nobody knows you, and then everybody knows you, and not like have some kind yeah. of like acting out. Like, yeah, there's, there, there's, for, for, for what we do, right? So like hip hop music and for the land that you came from, there is no school for it. Yeah. It's all learning it as you go along. There, you know, there's no guides, there's no teachers to tell you, this is the way you should be going. Don't fuck around over here. And, you know, it's, it's those growing pains, those bumps in the roads. Yeah. And, and fortunately for us, you know, we've managed to go through all those bumps in the roads and all that shit right. and still be here. And that's, you know. Is yeah. it, it, sorry, is it um, different popping off? Like, you guys popped off when MTV was like, everybody was just tuning in to watch MTV or the radio and like they didn't have cell phones and they, you guys weren't so easily accessible to everybody. Like, what's the difference in stardom? Like in, you know, 2001 at the Rainbow Room when somebody sees you're going somewhere versus like now where, you know, you might be everywhere all the time. And uh, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, is it? Yeah. It, what's crazier to pop off in 98 or to pop off in 2021? Well, yeah, it, 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 it was when, harder to pop off then, but people yeah. got more excited about yeah. you back then because, I mean, you know, there was more mystery that, you know, less accessibility to to you as an artist. It was like, oh, fuck. And, and, and all that. They had the sort of like treasure hunt right info or their way to right. you. whereas this day and age is like we're giving it to you like here it is <laughs> right here yeah. you ain't got to find nothing right. This is right here yeah and and so i think some people still get excited and shit for artists but it's 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 not like it used to be because that mystery was a part of it right when are they going to drop how are they going to drop it and you know like there there was there was no there there was a build up by record companies by putting out f snipes and promotional pieces and shit like that but it was all like you know like a roadmap to getting you hyped up about the artist or whatever product right mm -hmm. these days it's boom right in your face from the jump mm -hmm. you know less mystery I feel right. like if somebody sees you guys now, they're like, oh, dude, oh, my God, crazy. Can I get a selfie? Okay, bye. Right. Back in the day, they'd, like, follow you. Yeah. Or, you know, like, they, dude, yeah, let me yeah. just trip out on this guy for a minute because I'll never yeah. get yeah. to see him again. I, I, I first started listening to Cypress Hill in 93. Yeah. Like, when, when did your guys' first CD come out? 91. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so you're, you came on through on Black Sunday probably yeah, yeah. around that time. Right. Yeah. And dude, I, I was a kid, man. I mean, shit, dude. Like, what, what? I guess, I mean, I was 19 at that point, but at, how old are you now? I'm 51 now. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm 47. And dude, we've been at it for a long <laughs> we've time. We've been at it a long time, I, I just saw you outside. I'm like, dude, we're still going. Look, you know what's a trip, man? Imagine if technology that exists now existed back in those <laughs> yeah, crazy-ass right. times, man. I mean... You talk about viral because the shit that, that we were doing way back then right. was just way off the chain, you know. Um, and, 
you know, it, in some ways, we're we're sort of glad that 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 right. technology didn't exist back then because some of that shit was just a little over the top. But yeah, Tommy Lee was telling us that dude. Oh. He's like, man, we got away with straight murder. Uh, people would a lot more people would be getting canceled right now for that shit. Yeah, you know, because the, the rules were different back then. You know, and uh, that I think that's the technology has put everything at the in your face like immediately you know from from if if you're trying to be like so as artists when you become an artist and you get any level of run right any level of success yeah. you're giving away your your um your privacy basically sure that's the sacrifice but yeah. you you got to deal with that because that's a part of the game and if you're trying to fight against that it, it always works against you you know what i mean like how how um some of the actors back in the day used to be like fuck these paparazzis and getting in their faces right 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 throwing their fucking cameras not realizing that if you just gave them a couple of seconds they were going to leave you the fuck alone and be right. cool with you but the yeah. more you you know were pushing them away they were antagonizing you even, even more because mm -hmm. they know oh you don't want this shit right and unless you're giving them better photos when you're freaking out fuck on them yeah man and that's <laughs> and 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 that type of shit made it to where everything has to be a world star moment yeah you know what i mean the viral moment sure. that they can catch and those are the things that you got to deal with now but you know you got record companies who feel like maybe the the album itself the promotion of the album or whatever the product can be a viral moment and it's not necessarily like that for everybody for like a drake yeah you know and and guys like on that level psh, the minute they put something out motherfuckers get excited in their face there's no mystery there's no lead up there's boom here it is and instant reaction yeah these fucking surprise like midnight just they just put out an album and it goes ballistic mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah. insane yeah. Before you used to have to build up to that. Okay, the album is coming out in three months. We need three months of promotion right. leading up to. Uh -huh. Where these days it's like, psh, yeah, here's the post. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And if if you got a, a robust following, um, that is, you know, that that it, that will engage. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna. Blow. Here's a link. Buy now instead of going to the warehouse or right. going to the. Easy, right. easy. Tower Records. Easy, a click away. Now, dude, we've, we've talked to a bunch of people in, in here, and, and for all the people I asked, hey, were you aware that there was a time when I was trying to become a rapper? And nobody remembers it. Nobody I, know, <laughs> I remember. Not only does Be Real remember my rap career, he actually contributed to it, which is just so crazy, man. What a bro. Like, my friendship with him really is meaningful. And you know what else is really meaningful? The information that I get from my Whoop band. You guys who are regular listeners absolutely know what a fan of my Whoop band I am. And if you don't know what a Whoop band is, it's the most sophisticated fitness tracking device known to man. And I have the most exciting news about it they're coming out with the whoop strap 4.0 and i'm inviting you guys to be the very first people to try it out along with me oh man mine's gonna show up in the mail any day now and the new 4.0 whoop strap has 
way more information it's going to give you, like your oxygen levels, your skin temperature. I mean, dude, and it's smaller, it's smarter, the the charger that slides onto it is waterproof now. Oh, man, this is so killer. And if you've already got a Whoop membership with six months left on it, then uh, you upgrade absolutely for free. If you're a new person to Whoop and you need to be on the Whoop game, then boom, you sign up, you get the band for free, and uh, 15% off at checkout if you use the promo code Stevo at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P dot com. And I mean, dude, this tells you everything that you could possibly want to know about your sleep, your recovery, how many calories you're burning. Like, it is just off the charts impressive, and I love it, and I cannot wait. So, go to whoop.com and use the promo code Stevo at checkout for 15% off, and get on board with the Whoop 4.0, man. Yeah, dude. Now, let's talk about rap. Oh, dude, yeah. Be Real remembers. Be Real be recorded real, a real track. Real did, did, didn't we do something? We, we did, did a track together, yeah. dude. Yeah. And, and, uh... <laughs> And dude, your verse on that fucking track we recorded was so dope. It was Thank so you. fucking dope. And just like everything I did on the track was just awful. <laughs> but uh I didn't want to give you no wax shit. <laughs> dude, you <laughs> did it, man. He's, like he's doing a redemption album pretty soon. I'm right. trying to do a I'm trying to like get organized to do uh some redemption shit. And like whatever, just make it fun and funny. Let you me know? know. Dude. Let me know. Dude, I remember the, the, the track that you and I recorded. It was called "If I Died Today," and the the whole like the, the the whole gist of it was, you know what, fuck it. If I died today, I killed it, man. I'm stuck stoked on, on 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 what I accomplished, right. what I was. And dude, ah, <laughs> uh, wait, but that dude, I'm just trying to remember. Quick, when 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 Steve's writing a rapper, I I, I always ask. This I was question. just really, I really just appreciated the shit out of that thing. Oh, you no would worries, even do man. that, man. Uh, you know we're boys, man. I had to give you that fire <laughs> all day. <laughs> so cool. When you're writing a song, what hits you first? I know it's different for everybody. Is it the lyrics, or do you have to hear the beat first? Well, some you know sometimes I'll get ideas without the beat. And I'll just sort of mentally store that away till till something comes along that complements that idea. Like Rock Superstar, for instance. That was in my head for um, some years before we actually put that out. Years? Yes. And Aren't you worried you're going to forget it? No. Well, with something that is like, um, that strikes you heavy, like you're, you know, you know it's a good idea, you'll hold on to it and you'll remember it. And I was constantly like just waiting for the right music to happen. You know, mm-hmm. Muggs gave me many um, styles of, of, of beats and, and, and uh, you know, different options to write to, you know, throughout all the albums, you know, and what I wrote was basically what I felt when I heard the music, right? So that's the other way I write. I, when I listen to the music, the music speaks to me as to what I should be writing about or what the concept about or, or if it's just one of those rapper brag brag the shit you, you know brag about <laughs> yeah. yourself because mm-hmm. there's that too right but we've always tried to write cohesive songs that mean something and shit like that so i try to go where the beat takes me you yeah. know what i mean and but with with um songs like rock Stup- superstar and there's a couple other ones but that was 
obviously the biggest one that I held in my head for a while. Um, it wasn't until Mugs came with that particular, you know, bed of music that you hear as the song now, um, where I felt like that's going to be great for this idea here. So I, I did that. And at first it was just rap superstar and Donnie Einer from Columbia records. He was, you know, um, one of the, one of the big wigs in the industry period says, think you need some rock guitars on that. And we're like, Oh, okay. Cause you don't say no to Donnie <laughs> and mugs went and put the rock guitars, but then he had the foresight to put the orchestral parts on it and made it like, you know, it was like, um, us, us being Led Zeppelin of hip hop in that, and uh, with that song, that was our cashmere. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's 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 how we looked at it. Like this is our cashmere. That's cool. And so that that was one of the ones I had in my head for years. Uh, you know, other stuff I came up with on the fly. You know, what like about- doc, like Doctor Green Thumb, for instance. Uh-huh. I got to the studio, heard that music, boom, Doctor Green Thumb, and I made that song in like forty five minutes. Something like that. What what about the tune? Is it American Psycho? Was that with D12? Yeah, that was D12. That was dude. That that, fucking track is so fire, man. Yeah, they were killing it. Yeah, they they had the idea actually. They they hit me up and they were like, "Hey, we want you to do this chorus." Um. And they sort of give gave me an idea of of what the song was about, and then like what they kind of wanted me to say, but like say it in my own, on my own terms, in my own way, and and so that's that's what i did there and i thought man that it is a fucking tight song when i hear it i i took it i i took that and went and did a a mixtape and put a verse on it with with me and right okay because i remember like hearing it and then trying to look for it and i was like i couldn't find it yeah my my, the the one with my verse on it is is from one of my gunslinger mixtapes i had that's right yeah three volumes i had three volumes uh there was uh gunslingers there was gunslingers fistful of dollars um a few dollars more and something else it was all the clint eastwood right run right you that's know? what the problem was man i'm glad yeah. we got to the bottom of that because i gotta <laughs> dig up that track man i love it oh, so much oh yeah and then people started hitting me like how did that not make the d12 record i'm like well i did it after you know <laughs> so they only asked me for for a chorus so that's what i gave them if i had the foresight to just send the verse and be like hey i sent this verse too yeah just in case right. remix style but I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't want to like impose it and them, you know, having to be like, oh, I don't know. I, mean, right. I know I what I did there, but I don't ever want to force my shit on someone. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't want it, cool. So instead of sending it, I just held on to it and used it for my mixtape and was like, yeah. fuck it, mm, nice. just go here. Dude, it's unbelievable. It seems like the shorter it takes you to write a song, the bigger the hit. Sometimes, sometimes you know, like because you're feeling something in that moment and you have a certain momentum it's coming from the universe yes it's coming from somewhere else it ain't coming from you when it's like that it's coming from somewhere else you know what i mean like for sure with green thumb because with with green thumb um it was a sketch i wrote for the radio show that i was hosting at the time because we, we were doing a friday night mix show eric bobo and myself called soul assassins radio there's a soul assassins radio now from dj mugs on on a Sirius XF, uh, XM, but before that, it was on ninety-two point three, the Beat FM here when that was Theo. 
yeah, Theo well, on the radio. Yes, and Julio G was yeah. also on this this uh, station, right? So I would write sketches. So our mix show was like a Saturday Night Live with mixes because we would do all the voiceovers myself, Bobo, and our our uh, partner Quasi, who was our production guy, and we'd get all other artists to do voiceovers in these sketches. And so we wrote one in a in the sense of you know it being like a infomercials were, were big at the time uh-huh. and so i wrote an infomercial style commercial for dr green thumb a cultivator and you know it was based off of me and my boys growing weed because we we had always done that we were pretty goddamn good at it so you know <laughs> the nickname green thumb came from that because you know you would see nurseries out throughout los An- or southern california with that green thumb meaning you're good at growing weed yeah. right so that's the idea popped off from that sketch when i get to the studio and i hear that beat the sketch is in my mind on this beat like oh shit this is the song and i i just start going in and uh we end up using that sketch to that song yeah you know what i mean um so it all sort of just came together like out of nowhere but when i when i got to the studio and i heard that beat all the ideas for that song along with that sketch start rolling out and 45 minutes later it's laid and locked in and i think i laid it at 10 in the morning on a fucking thursday or something like that and mugs knew he was like this is the shit right here b's gonna fucking slay this right here and the funny thing about that song is that record company tried to get me to change it they wanted me to do switch the lyrics and make it more like an insane in the brain part two or something like it i said no i'm not gonna change nothing we already got insane in the brain and i'm like why would i do that again that would be redundant i'm sticking with this and they're like ah, radio ain't gonna play it but okay it's a great <laughs> song and i'm you know to this day, I'm glad we stuck to our guns because it became one of our biggest songs in terms of our, our fan base, just that being one of the anthems. And it was a big a big hit in Europe, no less. We were tripping on that. And hmm. uh, it sort of made its way into the pantheon of top Cypress songs. So, like, just as a, you know, to give you a an indication, right? So we play insane in the brain there's a pop that happens with that right people explode they go crazy it's nuts mosh pits and you know stage diving all that crap right fast forward to now we do when we do green thumb it's the same reaction and they didn't think that was going to happen they thought it was a waste of a song and for me that that was like it it was a something that happened organically and it was the it was the luck of the day because who knew that that was going to become my cannabis brand yeah i had no clue you know we always envisioned you know being able to do this or that in the cannabis world but we didn't know when we didn't know how we didn't know what we were going to do we just knew we'd be a part of it somehow but boom that song became my entrance into you know the the cannabis industry that that's what was so special about that song that that's why i say it came from somewhere else right. because that song led me somewhere else mm. other than music weren't you, so many uh, years later weren't you uh in the business of the vapes like the vape machines before that well w- you know we had friends that would make the 
the vapes like the ones that you see now like are the volcano and, yeah. and stuff like that not the vape pens that right right right, hit, right but like the 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 bag that the fills action. up. Yeah, right. yeah, there was so many of them. I remember uh, they, they brought... Okay, so like if you go get your car tinted, right? One of the things that they'll peel off old tints or dry the new ones is this fucking heat gun. And uh, it's fucking a lot of heat that comes out of this. So someone said, okay, we're going to make a fucking, you know, a vaporizer out of this fucking heat gun. We put it in here, it fucking... You know, it blows up the bag. It was before the volcano, but oh, it wow. actually it only burns the crystals. Right. It yeah. It was so like there's no smoke baking the crystals. Yeah. So there was that. There was the heat gun, and you know who knows what kind of damage we were doing to ourselves. <laughs> that <laughs> fucking thing, right? And then you had the, the 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 pieces that would heat up like it was like a fucking iron inside a box yeah and you put the fucking tube in there with whatever flour you had at the end of that tube and you would pull it it wasn't like something that was um you know blowing it to you or exhausting out to you you right. had you had to hit it there was a number of them and they would all make their way to me because i mean you know we're dr green thumb yeah <laughs> so i had a number of them but i you know like some some folks made me some uh some personal ones and then there was ones they tried to sell in the market but there was really no market for them because they were fucking illegal and if a smoke shop got caught selling one of those back at the time they risked their fucking their their license you know what i mean so there, there was a lot of them out there, though. There was a lot of people trying to make those fucking things. Now, I, I remember. Yeah. Um, I just, I saw this, uh, this documentary series on Netflix called Murder Mountain, yeah. which was like really fascinating. Crazy about Humboldt County and how, like, when it was sort of the the prohibition era of growing pot, all these people would go missing, and it was like super crazy. But the way that that series played out, they almost made it sound like. The, the marijuana industry was way better off before the legal, legalization because now, like, they, they tax everybody. Oh, yeah. They've got all this regulation. It's, like, yeah. impossible for these small farmers to make any money at it. Like, yeah. do you have an opinion about, like, the legalization? Can we quickly stop to agree that Be Real is pretty much the coolest dude ever? You can ask the guy anything, and he'll give you a completely honest answer. I love that. And you know what else I love? I love the fact that the Wild Ride listeners really seem to be pretty into having sex. Why? Because Blue Chew is a hit with the Wild Ride listeners. What's Blue Chew? Well, chewable tablets that have the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, except it's chewable and only costs a fraction of the price. What does that active ingredient do? It makes you hard as a rock. And evidently the Wild Ride listeners like to be hard as a rock because it's a hit with you guys. And if you haven't tried it, why wouldn't you, man? It's a lot of fun to have an extra rock hard boner when you're enjoying sex. And you know what else is great about Bluetooth tablets? You don't have to go to some awkward in-person doctor's appointment. No, no, no. You go to bluechew.com and you consult with one of their medical providers right there on the website. It is super fast, super easy, and that is all you gotta do 
to get your Bluetooth tablets and start having a really good time. You know what else is great? Is that I can get you an entire month's supply completely for free if you use the promo code Stevo at bluechew.com. Yeah, dude. All you have to pay is five bucks for shipping and you got an entire month's supply of Bluetooth tablets for free. I mean, dude, come on. Let's enjoy rock hard boners and great sex. How does that sound? Because, dude, if you do that with the promo code Stevo, get the whole month's supply for free at BlueChew.com, not only are you supporting the podcast, not only are you going to be hard as a rock, but, dude, you don't even have to pay just five bucks for shipping. So do that. Go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code Stevo. And now, let's talk about legalizing weed. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that was something a lot of people worried about in when when um it f- first became legal because there was a lot of stuff that people didn't understand in the legislation that would eventually affect um small businesses, independents, you know, mom and pop type of right. you know, companies that were trying to come up. But nobody saw that. You know, everybody, you know, the folks that were deeply invested, they just saw legalization and they didn't give a fuck how it was going to affect the small guys. Right. But in any business, when you're trying to legalize it, you're going to get regulation and you're going to get taxes. And that is the bottom line on any business. So that's the sacrifice that that, you know, we had to, to think about as as people in the industry that like, okay, if we're going to make this legit and make it legal, we have to scale up. We got to scale up and, and we got to abide by this. Now it's, it's, it's hard to adapt when, you know, obviously now you got all these regulations and you got to have these licenses and permits and all this, and that costs money. Right. You know, that affects your bottom line. And then now you got to produce on top of, you know, that you got to make up for what you just invested in there. Cause if you don't got the capital, it's fucking tough to, right. to exist in that way. And, and I think the people that put the legislation together, they knew that, you yeah. know, and, and it, it's, it's a lot of us that said it, that, that, that when it came, you know, those of us that had a strong brand and a strong name in the, in the industry, we wouldn't be affected the same way. Right. And, you know, in some places I got shit on because I was talking about, you know what, we should wait to legalize this shit here because the legislation ain't in the favor of, of the small business owner. Mm. You know, it's going right. to wash you guys out. There's going to be this big ass wave. Whoever survives the wave is going to do great business and they'll, they'll be a strong brand and they'll be able to survive in what's coming when the corporate money comes in. Those of us that don't survive, we're just going to wash away. Right. We're going to have to sell our licenses and shit like this, right? And that's exactly what the fuck happened. So I, I could understand why some of those folks up there want to just unplug and not be a part of, of the shit. But if you're trying to be a legal brand or a legal retailer, you know, it is what it is right now you know it costs to make it it costs to be in this business but once you get it going and once you get your momentum and and you know like cookies is a great example i mean you know they started with one store and a huge hype on their name and the expansion that they've had has been incredible 
Yeah. You know, and we're pretty much right behind them in that, in, in terms of our right expansion. On. We're about to, you know, push to, to open many stores outside of California. Now, here in California, we got six. So, you know, um, it's all about trying to get your brand right and adhering to the fucking rules and regulations that, that and, and, and just operate the way you need to right now so that they, they don't have an excuse to take your licenses away or to, right. you know, stomp your fucking brand out. Because I mean, realistically it's, I think, you know, our taxation here in California is very high, which is unfair. Like there's no industry that gets taxed the way, the cannabis industry does. Wow, so on is top it like 20%, of already, 25%? Higher than that. Yeah. So then California is already yeah. the highest, and then yeah. with cannabis, it's oh, just yeah. even there, there, there is no, um, we get no reprieve. And, and realistically, cannabis sort of helped California through these times in the pandemic because a lot of these shops were allowed to stay open as essential businesses because, right. you know, for some people it's medicine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I would say the cannabis industry has held California up. I mean, it's it's revenue that it didn't have. I mean, even the entertainment industry was leaving California because it was too expensive to operate here right. and do production here. So they go somewhere cheaper. That's been going on before the pandemic, S- since, too. Yeah, since way before the pandemic. Yeah. You know, so California needed the revenue. And yet our taxes are so fucking high, you know, I, I think they need to fix that. Well, I know they need to fix that, but that's that's a part of the shit. It's yeah. unfair to all of us. But imagine that, you know, people that have partners that, that are, let's just say um, they, they're funded, that, they, you know, they, they have funds to to make it through this wave. People that aren't funded wiped. Well, and plus, too, like getting into the weed business, it's like a lot of these people were on the black market before and like, oh, fuck, let's get legal. Yeah. And then they get legal and then they're like, OK, cool. Where's this money coming from? They're like, well, I can't really like document where it's coming from. Yeah. And, and some so just fucked. don't want to pay the taxes. Right. Either. Right. I mean, you're making all this money and you're not paying taxes. You got your overhead and you know what that is. Most of these guys know what their shit is and they know what they got to do to make X amount. But it feels good taking it all in. And not having to give nobody nothing, mm-hmm. but that's not the way. It's like great. How are you going to fund this? Well, I can dump like five hundred thousand, and okay, cool. Can you document where that came yeah, from? Where it's did like that money no. come? Yeah, because <laughs> no. that's okay, the well. other thing. Yeah, and and at that money ain't even taking your banks. You know, till it's federally legal across the board, banks aren't really going to take your cannabis money. Indian reservations will though. Yeah, right? they, yeah, not. they will. But that's risky. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that's risky. Any any of that is is definitely risky. But I mean, you got to do something. And, and so you know, you open up a laundromat next door and wash the money. We had the craziest conversation with Tommy Chong, and and I asked him like about how much more powerful marijuana has become since like you know like the 70s or whatever right and he shocked the shit out of us saying it's not more powerful it's the same plant it ever was like mm, no, well look i gotta disagree with my mentor there <laughs> <laughs> sorry tommy i gotta disagree with that I, oh we were confused too we we're like oh i mean I, 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 can, sure? I can agree that 
it's the same plant, yes. but but the the technology and and right. the, the science, the like the, the understanding of how to like make right. this a super plant sure. has just advanced. It's like working out like for a human being, right? Before um, in the fifties, in the fifties, athletes didn't have supplements. You just know your your basic food groups that right. you should have. But there was no such thing as supplements. Now there's TRT. Now there's <laughs> just fucking every fucking supplement jacked. in the world to maximize right. and make your workouts efficient and work for you. Right. Still the same person, blood, bone, right. DNA, all that shit. But it'll knock you out. But right. it'll knock you the fuck out because right. we're yeah. stronger. The last you, time. Don't wanna, exactly. you, know you don't want to put a 1950s NFL team up against, against no, <laughs> today's no. team. Right. They, they don't have a chance. Right. As great as they were back then, right. they were great with what they were dealing with at the time. Right. I There's think. advancements in everything. Right. So along with technology you know there's advancements in nutrients for right. the plants to um promote the different things that you need the plant to do for it to be what you want it to be right so they didn't have these things back in those days and, and most of those dudes were growing outdoor yeah you know and now there's these these teas that you could use for for outdoor cultivation where people were just you know some some folks were just watering their shit or home remedies yeah. and stuff like that now you know not to say that the dudes in the 60s and 70s you know some of them knew what the fuck they were doing like pro but when you think about how many of them there were it was a small number most people yeah. were growing what we call today boof Stress weed, swag, boo boo, swag. You know what I mean? <laughs> shit that you commerce. wouldn't shit. Yeah, commerce. <laughs> shit you wouldn't <laughs> give to your enemy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> that bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so yes, there were. There's always been talented growers in every every decade or every since its existence. A, a few small talented yeah. groups in different cities, different states. But these days. There are more talented cultivators. Why? Because knowledge is out there. The right. the you know you can you can find the way to do this shit right. If you got the money and you got the right place and you got the setup and it's clean and you know you got the the the, the right guidance, you could pr you could produce awesome cannabis. And there's more people doing that today than there was back in that day. And right. and the cannabis is definitely stronger. Because because you have these, the, you know, you have the technology and you have these supplements for the plants to make them better. So yeah. the, last time I, the last time I bought weed was over uh, like in 2013 at on first in Alameda at the arts. The, there's some dispensary right there and they're like, fuck, it just came out 13 percent flower THC and everybody's getting high as fuck. Now it's like 33 oh, percent. THC. Yeah. you're speaking in tongues after you take a rip. Like I, I couldn't handle that shit. Do you have like. Like a special, like, like, low, like where you're like, okay, dude, I don't even want to take on the 33, but like, like for tip for this morning, like oh, yeah. I got to get some shit done. I'm going to like, yeah, go for some weaker shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think every, every cannabis brand has its, it's very, you know, it's, it's impactful shit. And the, the, the ones that you can function to, you know yeah. what I mean? I, we all have to have that because if you want to sell to every type of consumer or connoisseur, you got to have it. 
you know yeah. some that's like for the the rookie the novice <laughs> something for the pro right you know and, and not only that you have to have the right bud tenders that have that knowledge that can explain that to them are you a first time user are you in the middle or are you Right. You know, fully blown professional. <laughs> are right. you are you an indica or a sativa smoker? Um, primarily indica, but you know I, I'm I've been doing a lot of exotics and hybrids these days. You know, so it's a mix, sort of both. Sometimes indica dominant, sometimes sativa dominant. Um, before a show. Oh yeah. No, 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 obviously, but before a show, indica, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Do you have a specific weed before a show? It doesn't matter what it is. For us, it's, you know, like, as long as it tastes good and the impact is there, you know, we'll smoke it before the show, whether it's indica or sativa. Primarily, we always smoked indicas because we used to be snobs about every other strain if it wasn't Kush, OG Kush, the real OG Kush. Um, if it wasn't that, we wouldn't even fuck with you. You know, I'm like, ah, no, hold it. We'll we'll smoke some of ours with you. You keep your shit. Mm. It, it wasn't until um, I'm gonna say maybe ten years ago that I started smoking other flavors outside of OG because you know one of my good friends we had run out of weed in in San Francisco on this tour, but I knew there was weed out there, but there's ne- we could never find any good OG out there. Everything else, bomb. But you could never find some OG like Southern California OG out there. So I called one of my boys, JP, from West Coast Cure. I said, hey, we need something. We ran, we just ran out. What do you got? Oh, I got Tahoe OG. I got platinum cookies. I got this. That. I said, you know what? Let me try those platinum cookies. I've been hearing about these platinum cookies or just cookies for the last six months at the time. And he was like, I got you. No sweat. And he brought it, rolled it up, and boom, I was like, oh, shit, this is really good. And that opened my my palate up to start smoking different shit other than OG. So, like, I started smoking all sorts of different strains out there. And then the flavor boom happened where everybody's developing different flavors, different exotics, different crosses and shit like that. And to me, that's great because, I mean, we like options. It's like if you just had one drink, would you be happy with that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For sure. I, I remember like way back in, you know, what it was like 2003, 2004, 2005, we were filming Wild Boys. And this was just like travel to a different country every, every fucking time we go out. And there are certain parts of the world where I just knew because they'll like fucking kill you if you get caught with weed there it's, you know like yeah. Indonesia like you know like anywhere Singapore. in the eastern hemisphere yeah like and and for those trips what I would do <laughs> is uh, I would grind up a bunch of weed put it in a condom and tie it in a knot and swallow the shit and then fly and then and, flush know, it out yeah and then I'd get, I'd get to Thailand I get to like where India you know and I'm fucking shitting it out and, and smoking it and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that's how I determine or, or like I mean that's you taking it there I mean that's the only way that you're not you know, right? Yeah, that, that's, safest that's way to travel. Safest way to take it, <laughs> <laughs> right? But it makes me wonder, like, like, did, did that rule out like large, like parts of the world for Cypress Hill tours? Like, you can't like. Go <laughs> yeah, I, I think more than anything, it's it's in places like that. They, you know, if a promoter tried to bring us there. 
they'd get fucked with just because our subject matter right. on cannabis and then all the street shit that we talk about. And I mean, not so much political shit, but some of it is talking about, you know, how authorities stomp down, obviously, you know, a lot of right. us that come from that, we talk about that and anything that would give people a thought like to say, fuck authority or to, to, right. to do a thing that they consider an illicit drug they ain't having it so like places like that they would never allow us to go even if we wanted to go we wouldn't be allowed to go unless we were going to take out all those things and those songs (laughs) which we couldn't it wouldn't be the same yeah, song. Yeah, one tune. I'm a psycho. Yeah. Hi, we're Cypress Hill. Good night. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. You know how I could just kill a man. I don't right. even know how we would have to flip that. You know what right. I mean? So some of these places, it just, yeah, are the, the subject matter of any of the songs just don't fly in some of the places. So we can't go in, right. into I, these I'm places. I'm the same way with, with my shit, man. Like, uh, you know, like my, my tour, I can't, I can't go to like the Middle East and shit. Oh yeah. No, we could right. not go there. Um, yeah, you're not going to be doing the double back and, you know, right. Middle East and I would, and I would love to go there, but right. I know the type of shit we talk is, mm-hmm. is not acceptable down there. Uh-huh. At least, at least from what I heard, you know, right. On the street shit, like, I, I've never thought of you as, like, like just, like, watching YouTube videos, just, you know, I'm getting ready to talk to you today. Like, it, it was, like, I was, like, wait, like, blood stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. gang shit? Like, oh, yeah. I, I just never thought of you that way, you know? like Oh, yeah. Uh, I was running wild before we were making records. Um, I was, you know, I guess I was considered a badass kid. Uh-huh. You know, I was I was very uh, to myself. But when I got involved with the gangs, I was pretty much a soldier, you know, and uh, with with within a gang, you have your own gang, you know. So let's just say there's 200 of us and we're from the same block and we claim this block. This is our gang. Right. Not all of us hang out. Not all of us get along the same way. But there might be five or six of us within that 200 that are our own circle. And that we hang tough and shit like that. And, you know, we always stood within our circle. I mean, we we were a part of everyone else, too. But we were the tightest over here. And for a time, yeah, man, I, I ran in in this one circle within our set, as we call it. Yeah. Um, And we were running fucking wild. I mean, um, I got the name Be Real through, you know, the gangbang life. Um, because before that, uh, you know, Sen and I, we've known each other before that. I mean, Sen sort of introduced me to the bangers that I eventually got down with. But I knew Sen Dog way before that because hip hop was always a, a thing for us. Like it was a hobby that we all or, or something that we loved. It wasn't even a hobby yet. We started rapping and shit for fun and, and it did become a hobby. But I sort of strayed away and got into the gangs and, and Sen Dog and his brother Mellow Man Ace and DJ Muggs, they took it serious. They took the music serious. They were constantly trying to push to that. I was out there fucking, you know, running really wild. I got shot, everything. And uh You got shot? Oh yeah. In the lungs. Well, yeah, it so we were um there was like maybe five or six of us. We were in another neighborhood, another blood neighborhood, but 
their neighborhood is, is constantly at war with these guys that are their rivals with their practically neighbor, neighbors. So walking through their hood, if you don't know their get down, you might get caught up. And that's what happened. You know, we didn't know how heated their little war was in, in their own neighborhood. We were, oddly enough, going from one house to grab some weed to come back and party at the house we had just left from. But we didn't take a, we didn't take a strap with us, meaning a gun. And uh, a car pulls up in front of us. They're all wearing blue hats. We're wearing red and shit. And so, as you can imagine, all the shit talking starts. And none of us are pulling anything out. And, I, you know, I noticed that really quickly. <laughs> and I saw the fucking gun coming over the front seat. And then the fucking driver, the, the, the passenger had it. And he starts letting off on us. He hits one of my guys in the elbow. Uh, the bullet travels from the elbow and comes out and gets stuck here mm. they thought they killed him because of the way he the way he reacted when he got hit so they switched the gun and they're they're trying to get me now they take four shot or he takes four shots on me the fourth one ricochets off the wall i run into it oh. so i could hear him tock, 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 and then the fourth one catches up to me boom and i and i caught it right here on the side in the back and I didn't feel my lung collapse yet. It was when I hit the corner and I looked to see if they'd gotten out of the car to chase chase us down with it. But they hadn't. They kept, you know, they shot. They kept going. That's when I collapsed because my lung had had been pierced. They, I got hit with a twenty-two hollow point. Still in me. Like there's a fragment wow. here, fragment here, and a fragment back there. So, yeah, that was, uh, that, that happened on Imperial in Hoover. Wow! Uh, did and, and you know you got hit? Oh, I knew it was. A, yeah, it felt like a Charlie horse. When when did that happen? That was in 1986. Oh damn! Maybe that, 85, 85, 86. Crazy. I was 15, 16 years old. Wow! A lot of us at that age had gotten shot. I mean, a few of my friends at that age had just gotten out of um, uh, YA, which is a you know like a prison. Truby. Yeah. It, well, it's a prison for for youth that eventually are going to go to the the real prison like you know there's there's juvenile hall and that's like a county jail for the youth you know you're it, it's just basically you know they're holding you till they figure out if you're going to ya or you're going to get probation or some shit like this right ya is the serious thing for the for the youngsters because okay. it's, it's like because yes, it's like a prison <laughs> Because it's like a Jeez. prison. It's a junior prison. Maximum basically. security juvenile. Yeah. yeah. So some of my guys, you know, that were my age and in, in my time that we were banging, they would get out from maybe the six months or the year that they had to do for whatever. And one of my one of my homies came out. He had a he had a big reputation as young as he was. He was known for being a shooter. And when he got out, they rode down the block, found him and they killed him that day i think he had been out maybe a week if that and that's that's how crazy it was i mean it 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 was a war zone man gotta tell you ice cube talks about going to ya and hit the hood swole yeah well that that does happen he didn't do it you know what i mean like he was portraying things that he's seen in his life from friends we've both seen that you know what i mean i actually lived it for a while so you know i seen some of my homies come back like that. They, you know, they go in skinny young kids and come back monsters. 
<laughs> you know, monsters ripped up 17-inch arms at 16 years old. I'm like, what the fuck? Because I never went to YA. I, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be lucky to dodge. And that was hard for me because, you know, I'm like a, a, a Spanish or a Latin or, you know, however they want to call it today, Latino, whatever, in, in a black gang. So I'm easy to point out. I'm easy to fucking yeah. track down if what for whatever I do. So, you know, whatever I did, I had to be very stealth-like. And uh, I got lucky and didn't, you know, have to get on that run. But plenty of my boys, they they had to go do that time in YA. And some of them went from YA to prison. Like, yeah. you know, they graduated, as we used to call it. Jeez. I remember yeah. getting the sense, like, back in the day, hanging out, that there was, like, you know, something of a, of a gang element that was, like, in, oh, yeah. in, in your like in our circle in, you know like kind of circling around yeah you know like they wanted to, they wanted to be down they wanted to like hang out and, and uh you know i remember i remember a guy named soldier yeah soldier he's still he's still around yeah yeah and then there's my buddy dreamer i don't know dreamer yeah <laughs> oh my god dreamers is he he's still around i, I think so yeah Dude, that's that. Uh, see, that's against the, thing. the odds, man. <laughs> and, and see, that's the thing. You know, when I got out of gang banging, people knew I did, and I never was one to like overtly tell people or show people like, "Oh, this is this and that gang." Yeah. Uh, and, and and as as we call it, set tripping. You know, yeah. when you're going out of your way to let people know, I never did that because for me, I didn't want to mix that shit into the the music world because i knew it would be a short run for us because yeah. you know when you got enemies out there and now you're fucking flashing on them you're gonna have a short run you you got a big target on your back and you got to right. be constantly dodging that so i let it all go and i i never had any problems with anybody that was banging on the other side after that you know what i mean we i've always got along with any other artists that were actual gang bangers on the other side always cool you know yeah, no disrespect never but our crew that we roll with is comprised from people from different neighborhoods who you know we might they might have been a crip and now i'm a blood over here this he might have been a, a mexican gangbanger or whatever we all roll together that's that's the dynamic of our crew is that it's comprised of different right folks from mm. different streets here in, in california so when you step to us, you're stepping to not just us. Right. And, and I think that's why no one ever really stepped to us like that. One, we never were with the chips on our shoulders like, yeah, right. come fuck with us and see what happens. I think that's well put. You I know, think, uh, we I were think... always just chill. Right. For sure. Was there a moment that you were like, I got to get out of this? Or did it just kind of trickle away in some way? Or like, how does that work? When I chose the music, I knew that I could not bring the gang banging in so i just had a, a talk with my close circle of homies and said hey i'm gonna go do this go do it nice. handle that shit nice and it was as simple as that it wasn't like i you know i had to make a speech to 200 motherfuckers and like <laughs> right. hey man um look they understood and they supported me and they had my back and a powerpoint and, presentation <laughs> this is what i'm gonna do in the next my 10 business years. plan yeah yeah and now check your slide three we got you yeah. know and and not for nothing. I mean, they, they knew I was trying to do something positive. And for me, I was indoctrinated in gangbanging. I didn't, I wasn't trying to get out. I wasn't even trying to do the music anymore. Like, 
Muggs, Sen, and and Mello came to me one day and says, "Hey, um, Mello's got a record deal. We need you to help us write some shit. Come back and help us write." And I didn't even think I could at that point because I had been so invested in in the streets at that point. Like, ah, what am I gonna do? We ain't gonna make no money doing that. Dead. <laughs> wow. And um, they're like, "Well, what do you got to lose?" And I Man, thought, you know, like. <laughs> I, I, I want to be careful not to kiss your ass, but but the the way the fucking rap is, people like the sound gets popular and everybody's just sounds the fucking right. same. It kind of drives me nuts. It happens now today still. Yeah, dude, Absolutely. more today than ever. More than ever, yeah. Yeah, more today than ever. And dude, I just love like how unique you've always been in in Thank your you. in your art. You know, like and dude, you're. To, to, to hear you say that you doubted if you could write dope shit, it just, it <laughs> yeah. just confuses oh. me, man. Well, yeah, you know, because I hadn't written anything in a long time, and I didn't, most certainly didn't know how to write a song yet. I knew how to write raps. Like, I was good at writing. My delivery sucked. I wasn't that good. But they knew I could write, and they needed help writing. And so I came back, and I did two songs for Mello's first album. I think it was uh, River cubanos and uh Tacapella or some shit like this and they were okay songs if you listen to them now you're like oh, they're, they're all right but what it did for me was it made me realize that i could still do it i could still write and it sort of i got bitten by the bug like fuck the studio shit is kind of cool Super cool. and and you know at that time he was working with delicious vinyl so in and out of the studio would come young mc or fucking tone loke and they were cool with us they you know they they were always always very cool with us they knew i was a gangbanger so maybe that was <laughs> part of it you know, <laughs> just be cool with this dude because yeah. you don't know um certain politeness but, comes with that but yeah. you know i've I always maintained respect no matter what even if there were a crip or whatever i never got out of pocket with anyone in the studio because this was business this, right. this is not that place for that shit so i was always focused and i was learning as i was going along there but I, I found myself wanting to be in the studio more than on the corner yeah. and not because of the safety. Cause I didn't even think about that. Cause I was still strapping, you know, I, I was, we were all like cowboys for like, I, I don't know, maybe up until maybe 10 years ago, we stopped like, you know, cowboying it, but like wow. we, we would, we, all of us, no matter who was with us. So when we were sitting at the rainbow, Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn. There was at least five guns. Always present. I, I, I mean, I would believe that there were plenty of guns oh, I had, around you. I but. had one on my hip every time. <laughs> you know, I was a real cowboy in that sense, you know, um, because old habits die hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I, you know, again, I realized, realized I could not bring this shit. So, it, But for, for me, it wasn't the safety. It was the creative part. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I'm actually doing this. And this is stuff we we, we thought of when we were... You know, a few years back, listening to Run DMC and this and that and the well, other, right. like, and and so you know, that's when I made my choice. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, and and I mean, to be fair, man, you guys fucking blew up, dude. Like on that Black Sunday thing. Oh, I yeah. mean, it wasn't like an accident that that I started here. I mean, that shit was everywhere. Yeah. And back when there was so much money in music. Oh yeah, we had no clue it was going to blow up. We didn't know the first album would blow. We were just hoping that motherfuckers would like it. 
we right. we liked it and we thought it was different and for a west coast group people took us for for an east coast group they, you know because everybody was was trying to sound like um well not trying to sound but very influenced by nwa yeah you know and we noticed that on the west coast if you didn't sound like that record companies weren't going to give you any run and we weren't we didn't want to sound like that in spite of my you know me being a gangbanger or coming out of that shit i didn't want to sound like all this gangster rap shit that was happening because right. we would not be different than anything else and mugs's style of production was definitely not that it was more east coast mm. based right so we found a way to marry you know the east coast and the west coast mentality into this group from mugs into the experiences of send dog and myself and all that shit and m melding it into what became our sound, what became our culture and all that shit. And, you know, it was a slow going, you know, uh, on the first album. It was like six months before anybody took notice to who we were because we put out the single Funky Feel one and how I could just kill a man. Now, it was a double A side, meaning that um, the record company could say this is the side we're rocking right here, Funky Feel ones. But... It's a double A side. If you DJs want to flip it, it's all good. But they were banking on Funky Phil one because it's less controversial. Uh -huh. It's not saying how I could just kill a man. <laughs> and <laughs> so so they were they were banking on that, but it was going slow. And out of nowhere, one of the New York DJs, maybe even in, in, in the colleges, it might have been Stretch and Bobito, they flip the record and they start playing Kill a Man and all of a sudden, boom, the, the, the momentum changes. People start talking about us. Naughty by Nature takes us on tour. They were our boys and they could they heard our album and they knew what we were capable of. So they were like, Let, we're gonna we're gonna bring you on the road with us. They had the number one single at the time with OPP. And then Kill a Man starts to catch on mix shows and they pull us off the road they as in Sony pull us off the road to do the kill a man and hand on the pump video and then kill a man explodes with the video chuck d and them uh the bomb squad are doing the movie soundtrack for juice they want to use how i could just kill a man in the pivotal scene between tupac and omar epps at the end where they're chasing each other through the club and that shit blew that song like way the fuck up you know and we did not anticipate that i didn't anticipate it i did not see any of that coming in you know so it's the album's now catching momentum six months later it had dropped off the charts popped right back up we were i think we entered at 270 or 200 or what no we entered at 170 dropped off and then we shot all the way the fuck back up and when we were releasing black sunday the the first album finally popped up into the top five and as we released black sunday we had a number one album in black sunday and a number five album in, wow wow in original album and Shit, no crazy. no hip-hop group had done that at that point we were the first to do that huge yeah i mean so it, it, it kind of reframes the thought i'd rather be in the studio than on the corner fuck a day man like you know it, it was it was a, a time i invested in myself in terms of or instead of letting myself go into deeper into this shit because there's only you know three three paths maybe four as a gangbanger prison's one right the grave is the other 
life in a wheelchair or you're smart enough to get the fuck out and right. and you know and that's not an easy task and that's not an easy task because no one wants to hire a gangbanger to this job or that job it's a hard run well right and the gangs don't exactly just like uh, Some, you know, give you severance depending <laughs> on who you are and what you know and what you've done they don't always want to let you go especially if right. you're somebody who is well respected in that like world Scientology. yeah if you're if you're well respected in this life where you call shots and people and, and other motherfuckers fear you they don't want to let you go because right. then other motherfuckers think oh they lost that guy they're kind right. they might be kind of weak right and right. you know so those guys yeah that they're hard pressed to stay in it's got to be tough to like you know to kind of coming from that whole scene and then like you're like all over mtv like you know like fully mainstream radio oh, yeah. play like celebrities left and right you know you're like is this cool that i'm doing this <laughs> oh you know like it was all new to me i was just sort of soaking it in like like this shit is unbelievable i can't believe we're here you know right. I, like through through that whole through the whole first you know five years i was just sort of like are we is this are we really here you know and then I mean? that like, verse on the the stanconia like oh, in yeah. the two, that that was just a whole other heyday huh? yeah like, yeah i i was frankly surprised that that uh that they called me for that because you know i didn't know that we were on their radar like that i mean we were mutual fans yeah. of outcast too but you know to get called up to to knock one down with them i mean fuck that was like i mean it was yeah. incredible yeah dude. it was i got i got a platinum plaque for that fucking one man <laughs> salute to y'all for that thank Shit. you dude it's, it's it's so killer man and you know like it, it's it's sort of, sort of like uh you know, unrelated, but but I watched this documentary on Hulu about the Takashi Six Nine kid. Yes. And what's so fucking shocking about that is that he had at, at the same time he had like five hit songs on the like Billboard 100. Yep. He's got all this money coming in, and he's just cutting people out of his business who are like heavy fucking shot callers yep. in, in, in like serious fucking gang shit. Yeah. And like, just from my experience, when, 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 when money's coming in and then you tell someone, Hey, you're off my team, man. I'm not, I'm not going to commission you anymore. Oh yeah. No, they, and that's, that, that was the most fascinating thing about that. How he thought he was going to pull that off smoothly. Especially <laughs> especially the dudes that, like, you know, first at first funded him and mm -hmm. put them under his right. wing and gave him that protection. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, in, in terms of marketing himself, whether you love him or hate him, he's a genius for Dude, how he flipped absolutely. that. Um, in terms of the street shit, yeah, you know, he violated on many fronts. Um, but... You know, it, it's that situation is tough because it's 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 like, yeah, you know, he probably realized they were digging in his pockets in such a way that like he should have been getting more uh -huh. maybe as an artist. And he felt like, nah, I'm getting all of this. Right. And, it's crazy. And, and you, know, you know, not to like, like even talk shit or anything it was just fa it was a fascinating oh, story oh yeah it that's, is uh, that's, no, that's what i you know and i thought that documentary was really impressive too no doubt man it, it is because it, it shows you the story of how he makes himself 
did. And, 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 and kudos to the kid for being a, a fucking marketing genius. Oh man. yeah. You know, like him, him, uh, telling on, on his partners and all that shit. I mean, you know, that's for other people to judge. I mean, some people that, that are street folks are like, nah, that, that just doesn't fly. That's against the rules. Cause if you're playing the game, then you know, right. You know, you know what the possibilities are. And you have to be okay with that. And you got to man up. If you're playing in the streets and you're not going to adhere to the rules, then, yeah, you're going to have that target on your back. You know what I mean? And that's he's got to forever live with police protection for right now. You know, or I don't know how long he's going to be under the witness protection or whatever. But I don't know how well he does under witness protection. Yeah, I, mean, or I don't know how effective that that protection is well it's he's okay <laughs> for now but he's a guy who who now has had light and is used to it and wants it and yeah. seeks it and can't let go of it for his own good right because he keeps winning like people that aren't gangbangers aren't street folks are like well yeah so what if he fucking ratted those people out i mean they were fucking with him they were getting right. over on him they tried to rob him they tried to they pistol whipped yeah him. they pistol whipped him they don't get the the commitment right. you make in this life they don't get that they're just fans and you know yeah. god bless them they you know realistically if you're a civilian yeah you sh you don't adhere to those same rules if you're in the life you must if you don't then what what he did that causes a target on your back happens and that you know he he knows that that's yeah. why he's he's living the way he is now but it, it's I know it's eating him inside because he can't be as free as he was in terms of going out and causing right. a commotion and, you know, stirring up the base and shit like part, that. The tougher part is, man, like, uh, I, you know, being exposed to the light, being like, you know, uh, like acquainted with the celebrity and all the shine and and now uh, and uh, but people won't fuck with them. Yeah. And not for nothing, he had good songs. So yeah. You don't. <laughs> that's that's the fuck shit. You know, like for for as much as he annoyed people, he actually had talent. Yeah. You know, and he constructed his character and and made it pop. As the street shit that he got caught up in, sort of, yeah, it taints all that for sure. But as an artist, he was doing his thing. Yeah. I mean, was it my cup of tea? I wasn't going out of my way to fuck with it, but when I did hear it, like, yeah, that's cool. He had he had some shit. Yeah. But it's just all the other shit. Right. Can you look past that? Can you accept that? And you know, my my old self <laughs> in terms of where I came from, nah, that's unacceptable. <laughs> that's fucking unacceptable, man. Enough said. Hey, uh, real quick, let me ask you: do you, Who's your top five favorite rappers? Uh oh, is that I a usually, controversial question? No, I usually narrow it to a three, but I could go five. <laughs> um, so at the the pinnacle, you know, and it could go in any order for me. But realistically, it should be KRS-One at the top for me. Um, Eminem, Jay Z, Rakim, um. Fuji rap, Ooh. and uh, you know I did a, I did a track with Cool G rap. One of, the, <laughs> one of the sickest in the world, man. And, and Stevo, 
Especially, especially on five. top five. <laughs> top five. Poke the puss is your cashmere, dude. <laughs> I remember uh, going. I brought poke the puss into Damon Dash's office. <laughs> I played it for him. He said, "Well, I'm not going to say you're the next Jay Z." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Man, that's yeah. great. So those, yeah, those are my guys right there, man. That. Uh, and, and and just uh, I think like you know for for talking about all the street shit and all the, like it's just that's just not who you are now yeah yeah I mean that would be that would be a falsehood to be talking shit like I'm still out there gang banging and right you know um, living that life I definitely ain't doing that shit and um, and even when you were I think you played it all pretty cleverly yes because here's the thing right. Um, and they do it more so now than they than they used to. But, I mean, the feds and law enforcement are listening to everything you're doing. They're watching everything you're posting if you're a hip-hop artist. Because some, some hip-hop artists will tell on themselves in a song. Yeah. Trying to be too graphic about... The ghetto Quran. <laughs> I, I, want, I, want, I want to validate me by telling you some shit I did. Right. And... You know, you might think, ah, oh, well, it's a song. No one's really going to take it serious. But guess what? The motherfuckers that are the law enforcement, they take it serious. And if there's a case pending on some shit you mentioned that sort of links you to right. that, guess what? They're coming at you. So, you know, you can't, you know, you'd be stupid to tell on yourself and tell a story that is completely full of all truths if you're going to tell right. a story that did happen you kind of you, you might want to shake it up a little bit or not even fucking tell that story right because realistically you know you could put yourself or your boys or somebody in a twist for something you said that you know that needs resolution in terms of a case right right so yeah man you got some guys that just they don't think about it and they'll put themselves in a fucking twist by telling on themselves other guys that are being really graphic and 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 telling you this story as if it fucking happened yesterday that shit is made up they ain't yeah. never lived that life they ain't been one day through it because you wouldn't be saying such a graphic fucking story that's true right you know what i mean because yeah. you'd be telling on yourself it's yeah, called dry dude. snitching <laughs> wow, we're learning so much today. Yes. Yeah, I love it, man. This dude, this has been so killer, man. I don't think we, you know, I, I, I think we're good to go, man. We, this, we, we don't normally go much more than an hour anyway. All good, man. Dude, what Thank an, you for having me, brother. Dude, what what a treat. an honor, man. Dude, what an honor. Anytime, dude. man. Anytime. Like, uh, just having you even follow me on Instagram is an honor. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it, dude. Uh, so, so we'll jump on yours. You do yes. this shit every day? Yeah, we, well, when I'm not on tour, we do uh, the Dr. Green Thumb podcast live Monday through Friday. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been doing it for 12 years now. Unbelievable. We started, um, we started, I don't know if you remember this streaming service called Stickam. It was a rival to uh, the other one, Ustream, right? And Stickam, you know, we got in with some people down there and they would feature our, our um, it wasn't known as a podcast back then, but right. it was just a live some stream. Tom Green, Webavision shit. Right. <laughs> and I was like pretty much one of the first so-called celebrities on there, like actually streaming, you know, 
fucking Monday through Friday. And we sort of took that format from there and just applied it to what we are doing today because Stickham eventually went away. But right. we built our platform to keep going in case they went down so that we didn't have to go to a Ustream or anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, we used Livestream for a time just to use their player. But, yeah, man, I mean, we've been, we've been doing this a long time. We used to just do post first, you know what I mean? We were doing filming it and and you know doing all the edits and then putting it up and then we felt like it would be better to to engage live because we have our chat room there and right. we we heavily engage with them they ask questions at the end to to us or make comments or give shout outs and you know it, it's it's a fun fucking time man i swear like you know building the platform it took a while but I realized from doing radio that this was another version of of that. Yeah. It's not necessarily the radio, but because they're they're getting to see you now. But it's sort of the, the same. So I, you know, I, I decided that I'm going to take this shit serious and I'm going to make it a schedule rather than something I do once or twice a month. Damn, it's epic, man. You know, so it it it's been growing and uh, man, it all started with the smoke box. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, because the smoke box, not everybody wanted to get in. They were afraid, <laughs> right. right? If you're not a smoker, they don't want to get in. And right. if they're kind of a smoker, they're afraid of getting too lit. So I created the Dr. Green Thumb podcast so that people that didn't smoke right. could come sit in. Even if we were smoking, they didn't have to. You know, yeah. it's optional. Yeah, so I apologize for Don't like apologize <laughs> for nothing. That's why we made this show so that... Because right. cause I we have friends. Cause I can't I can't breathe this shit, yeah. in, man. Uh, I know. So we, <laughs> so we have, you know we have friends like same right. thing, right? That like they want to come in, but they can't smoke. And yeah. so we made the show optional for people Dead. that if they Dope. wanted to smoke or didn't want to smoke. I, did, so. I was touched by the offer to have your personal joint roller roll me a joint. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you put out a Craigslist ad for that? Yeah, or how yeah. do you find a personal joint roller? I, I, you know, like the guys that, that came in to work for Be Real TV um, from day one, I taught them all how to roll. Oh, so nice. they've become expert rollers, and now they're trying to hold their own classes and call themselves <laughs> experts. <laughs> so, you man. know, hey, Dr. Green Thumb University, come sign up. I love it, dude. Dude, I love it, man. Well, dude, thank you so much, and uh, I'm stoked to jump on your thing. Right. Hey, let's turn this one around and make this one next. Okay. Yeah, dude, that was, like, so dope, man. Be real. Just such a bro. And uh, you know what? I wanted to say thank you guys, not only for sticking around to the end of the episode like I always do, but thank you for supporting like the sponsors of the show, man. I mean, dude, the fact that we are able to do this and just like get behind these companies that we dig and you guys obviously are digging it, man. Like, and I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for supporting the podcast by getting behind the sponsors of the podcast. I mean, hey, man, life is good, dude, and uh, I'm stoked. So maybe I'm going to fucking chew up a blue chew and do some fucking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.